Good morning. Welcome to each one of you. Glad you're here this morning. I want to say thank you to Dave and Ivan and Wayne for making it possible for me to have a break the last number of weeks from preaching. Uh, at the time of the year when my work gets rather overwhelming, <laughs> difficult to find time and space to, to study, and thank you for, for making that possible. I, I greatly appreciate it. The Bible was full of promises. Recently, I've been noticing the promises that are given to a certain kind of people. And the more I looked, the more I kept finding. And I was actually really surprised at how many there are. Listen to just a couple of promises that are made. These people are promised that God's goodness is in store for them. They're promised the protection of angels, that the eye of God will be upon you, that God's mercy will always be on you. They're promised God's blessing, God's pleasure. Prolonged life is one of the promises. They're promised they will have strong confidence, a fountain of life, that they will be satisfied with life, that riches, honor, and life are connected to these people, and that happiness comes to these kind of people. This morning I'm going to look at a subject that the Bible speaks a lot about, both in the Old and the New Testament. And all the promises I just mentioned are attached to this subject. Anyone want to guess what that subject is? I've intentionally not directly quoted verses, but told you what they are. Just curious, anyone want to venture a guess? That subject is the fear of the Lord. <clears throat> The fear of the Lord. My goal this morning is to look at what is the fear of the Lord? Why is it important? How can I grow in my fear of the Lord? And just to encourage you in your relationship with your Heavenly Father. What is the fear of the Lord? I actually had a a hard time nailing down a concise definition for fear of the Lord. If you look at the different words that are used, there are a number of different words used in the Old Testament that are in the Hebrew language that are translated fear. There's like a dozen or 14 different words. And in the New Testament, there's one word that's translated fear, but all of them mean pretty much the same. It's it can mean to be afraid. It's also to revere or to hold in reverence. No, often God tells us in the Bible not to be afraid. Jesus often said, do not be afraid. We are also often told, as we'll see this morning, to have the fear of the Lord. And those are not, those, they make sense together, as we'll see. quote from 
William A. Van, Van Gemeren, he said, the fear of the Lord is an inner responsiveness and willingness to learn of the Lord. I really like that definition, an inner responsiveness and willingness to learn of the Lord. Most of you know we have a little Jack Russell Terrier at our house. Her name is Julia. When we got Julia as a little puppy, eight weeks old, she was the dominant puppy in her litter. I watched her beat up the others. She was dominant. And she came to our home firmly, with the fact firmly settled in her mind that she is the dominant dog and what she says goes. She has been the toughest dog to train I've ever attempted. I enjoy training dogs. I've trained a number of them, but Julia was a tough one. Whenever it's not a lack of intelligence, she would understand. You could, she'd look at you when you said something and tip her head, and if you repeat and show her, if, as soon as she understood what you wanted, she'd show her teeth and start growling and pop her teeth at you warning you that she's in charge. She didn't like what you were saying. And if you were close enough, she would bite repeatedly. In fact, I once got, uh, we went to Pennsylvania and I asked Larry Petersheim to take care of Julie for the weekend. Well, he sent me a text halfway through the weekend and it said, bite, slap, no, bite, slap, no, bite, slap, no. And then he said, Nate, this dog is mentally retarded. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a picture of him laying on the couch, and she's laying on his stomach, but she kept doing things he didn't want her to do and then would bite as soon as she was corrected. She understood, but she thought she was the boss. Now, Julia's come a long ways. We've been working with her, and she is beginning, she understands, and now... We can take her off the leash and she doesn't disappear out of the neighborhood. Yesterday, Ann took her off the leash and went across the yard and Julia heads off in another direction and she'd say, Julia, this way. And Julia looks and comes toward her and they'd go on and they're circling the garden. Julia, this way, this way. And every time she said this way, Julia turned and corrected where she was going. She changed to match up. She was voice sensitive. She was listening what Ann said. She was responsive, willing to take instruction. Fear of the Lord is not just a being afraid of God, although that can be, but it's a responsiveness to Him. You know, right after God gave the Ten Commandments, in Exodus chapter 20, Moses said to the people, and notice how fear is used in, in this verse. I think we see both kinds here. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for the Lord has come to test you, that His fear may be before you, so that you will not sin. So they're not to be afraid, but they are to fear the Lord. Remember what was happening, the mountains quaking, there's fire, there's, they were terrified. And he's saying, you don't need to be afraid, but you should fear the Lord. 
and I'm going to read two quotes here that I think are, are worth our listening to, even though they're a bit long. Lenski said, The fear of the Lord, together with the love of God, controls the Christian during his whole life. Only the godly have this holy fear. It is a distinctive mark in that it is always combined with trust in the Lord and love toward God, and is thus differentiated from fear and dread of God, which at last overwhelms the ungodly. So that is how it's different. It's always combined with trust in God and love toward God. Unger's Bible Dictionary says, the fear of the Lord dreads God's displeasure, desires his favor, reveres his holiness, and submits cheerfully to his will is grateful for his benefits, sincerely worships him, and conscientiously obeys his commandments. Fear and love must coexist in us in order that either passion may be healthy and that we may please and rightly serve our God. You know, the fear of the Lord is mentioned in Proverbs alone 14 times. Someone has described Ecclesiastes as Life without the fear of God, and Proverbs as life with the fear of God. Fear of the Lord, an aspect of fear of the Lord is, is having a proper perspective on who God is, or I won't fear Him. Brandon, could you put the... Uh, Picture up there, please. Okay. So it'll show up in a bit. I did a, a brief comparison between myself and God. Hint, I really come out short. But... I find it helpful to look at who God is. See, like. <clears throat> Sorry, I didn't give you more warning, Brandon. <laughs> I would have uh, done this directly from my phone, but I'm technologically challenged. There we go. Thank you. Can you read that in the back? So, on the left column is God, on the right is me. God is the all-powerful creator. Me, I'm created by God for a relationship with Him. God is all-knowing. My knowledge is partial at best. God is omnipresent. Everywhere I go, I am in the presence of the King. God is the sustainer of life. For me, each breath is a gift from God. God is infinite. Can't be measured. I'm finite. Very finite. God is my Savior, my Redeemer. He gave His life to redeem me. He gave me eternal life. God is my Father. I'm the adopted child. God is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's over all. I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. God is my judge. 
and I will give account of my life to him. Should I fear God? Should I have awe and respect, reverence for who God is? I should. It is the most healthy thing for me. We are told over and over in Scripture that we should fear the Lord. And it's because God knows what is best for me. He's my creator. He knows what I need. He knows how I will function best. When I look at this list, one thing that becomes obvious is the vast difference between the two. The other thing that's very obvious is that I owe God everything. I need God. I'm going to think briefly about a couple examples of fearing God. The Bible is full of these. I can only mention a, a couple. Uh, one I think of is Abram. God called Abram and told him to leave his family. He left his home and his extended family to go to a place that God would show him. He didn't even know where he was going. God said, go to the place that I will show you. God said, go, so he obeyed. As he obeyed, God directed him further. And he comes to the point where God tells him, this is the area you're going to inherit. But it took him a long time to get there. It was a long trip. Am I looking to God for direction on where he wants me, on what he wants me to do? Or am I telling God, this is where I'm going and this is what I'm doing? The person who fears God is steerable. When I have reverence for God, when I respect my all-powerful Creator and Savior, I will look to Him for direction instead of trying to direct Him. I'm going to turn to uh, Psalm 25. I'll read four verses from Psalm 25. These stood out to me. Just what I'm, what I'm doing here this morning is just a brief overview of what the Bible says about the fear of the Lord. A few things that stood out to me. I can't begin to cover that all this morning. Psalm 25, reading verses 12 to 15. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. In verse 12, New American Standard says, he will instruct him in the way he should choose. In other words, guidance. God will guide the person who fears the Lord. You know, I see that in Noah. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, and I could mention things that had never happened before, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So Noah was warned about what God was going to do. He was moved with godly fear. He acted 
Not for a day or a week or a month or even for 10 years. But Noah prepared that ark for 120 years. Can you imagine? What would it be like to work on something for God for 120 years because God warned you? Clearly, Noah feared God. Noah had deep respect, reverence, stood in awe of God that he was moved for 120 years to keep working on this project. Probably everyone around him thought he was a nutcase. But Noah continued, and you know the outcome. God protected him. Another example I think of is in Genesis chapter 20. I'm going to flip there quickly. Genesis chapter 20. And here we have Abram. Abraham is traveling. And I lost. Okay. Genesis. Chapter 20 and verse 2, now, Abraham said of Sarah his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Notice what happens. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she even herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart, in the innocence of my hands, I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours." passage goes on, I'm not going to read all of it, to describe how he does just that. He returns Sarah, but he got, my point here is God warned Abimelech. Abimelech feared God. You know, Abraham says later in the passage, he didn't think there was any fear of God in this place. But there was. He didn't realize Abimelech feared God. And God guided Abimelech. He warned him against doing something wrong. And Abimelech responded, showed that he did fear the Lord. Verse 13 says, His soul will abide in prosperity. His descendants will inherit the land. I'm back in Psalm 25. And verse 14, The secret of the Lord is for those who fear Him. No, I think of Abraham in Genesis 18. Here, God says, should I, should I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah? And he said, no. He will tell Abraham, and he tells him what his plans are. Now, I don't take from this, the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, that if we fear the Lord, we will always know the future. That's not what I'm saying. However, God places His confidence in you. And God will show you, God will show me 
what I need to know if I fear him. That's one of the reasons I don't think we need to fear things like the mark of the beast or whatever. I believe as if we fear God, God will show us what is, what is happening. He will warn us. We can be confident in God. Verses 12 to 14, David is describing the, man, the person who fears the Lord. In verse 15 is David's testimony. He's adding himself to this, and he says, My eyes are continually toward the Lord. I think this describes the person who fears the Lord. His eye, he, is, he is looking to God. He is looking to God for direction. He's looking to God for protection. For the person that fears the Lord, God is the first place that they turn. God is his default setting. <laughs> Whatever happens, I turn to God. That's how I want to live my life. How does one cultivate the fear of the Lord? How does one cultivate the fear of the Lord? I believe the Word of God cultivates the fear of the Lord. I take that from Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 11 through 13. Here, <clears throat> Moses is charging Joshua and Israel to be faithful. And in verses 11 to 13, kind of jumping in the middle of a long passage here. When all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men, women, and little ones, the stranger who is within your gates, that they may hear and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan to possess. So the Word of God cultivates the fear of the Lord. God reveals Himself to us through His Word, what He is like, what His character is like, what He requires, His holiness. God is holy, and so we are to live a holy life as His children. The Word of God cultivates the fear of the Lord. second thing that cultivates the fear of the Lord is considering the great things that God has done for us. In 1 Samuel 12, 24, it says, Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things He has done for you. When I consider what God has done for me, when I look at the list on the left, what God is, it's a motivation for me. Fear the Lord. You know, I think the third thing that cultivates the fear of the Lord is prayer. It's asking God for it. And in Psalm 86, Psalm 86, verse 11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Asking God to give me a united, an undivided heart. A heart that is true to Him. 
believe God loves to answer a prayer that I would be undivided in my affection, solely devoted to Him. <clears throat> I think the fourth thing that cultivates fear of God is teaching. Psalm 34 and verse 11 says, Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Fathers, one of the best gifts you can give your children is to teach them the fear of the Lord. One, by modeling it, living it, and two, by instruction, by teaching. Now, one of the things I appreciate about my dad is not only did he model the fear of the Lord, but he took the time to explain to me why he did what he was doing. Say, now, Nathan, would anyone know? Would anyone find out if I did this? No, probably not. And he would look me in the eye and say, it wouldn't matter because God would know. God is always with us and God would know. And so whether other people know or not doesn't make any difference. Parents, let's teach our children the fear of the Lord. If we're going to teach it, what we live, we must model it and live it. You know, if I don't have fear of God, I will live my life in fear of lesser things. If I don't have fear of God, I will live my life in fear of lesser things. I think of a couple examples. One, I'm not going to turn there. You're familiar with the passage in the New Testament where Jesus comes walking on the water. The disciples are in the boat. And... At first, they're frightened. One of them says, it's the Lord. Peter says, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you. Jesus says, come. And Peter, focused on Jesus, has the faith to step out on the waves. This is in the middle of a storm. It's rough and stormy. Big waves. And Peter steps out and is walking on the water to Jesus. And what happens? His focus goes to the stormy sea, the waves around him. I think I'd go there too and go, whoa, what am I doing out here? And he starts to sink. He began fearing the waves, fearing his circumstances, the things around him. And that's when he sank. Jesus saved him. What I focus on is so important. I think back to Genesis 20, which I mentioned earlier with uh, Abraham and Abimelech. You know, Abraham feared God. I mentioned how he left where he lived. He left his extended family not knowing where he's going. He, he was willing to do that. He feared God. But then Abraham began to fear that people had evil intentions. Abraham feared that Abimelech or someone in, his, in Abimelech's kingdom would see his beautiful wife and kill him to take his wife. He became focused on fear of people so much 
I think he lost sight of who God was. Because he resorted to a half-truth. <laughs> Seeing she's my sister. Well, she was his half-sister, but... In essence, he was saying, she's not my wife. And what happens? The king takes his wife to be his wife. Well, I'm sure. How would you ladies feel? I mean, she got hung out to dry. So you're going to save your hide, and you're just going to let this king have me? Thanks a lot, buddy. I, I wouldn't feel too good about that if I were the wife. Abraham was going to save his own hide because he got scared of the people around him that may have evil intentions. You know, in Matthew 10, 28, Jesus said, And do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. There is only one who can do that. One. And that's Almighty God. May he be the one who has our respect, our fear. Do I want wisdom in making decisions? The fear of the Lord is the foundation for wisdom. Whereas Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's, it's the start of wisdom. Without it, I will not make wise choices. Without fear of the Lord, I will not make wise choices. You know, the fear of the Lord can radically change the direction of my life. I think of Saul on the road to Damascus. He had climbed about as high as you could climb in Judaism. In the Jewish faith, he, he was looked up to. He had been... He had... Uh, the equivalent of several degrees, I would say, he was taught by a famous teacher. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, he said. The strictest sect, and he had accomplished a lot. He was, he was following the law very carefully. And he thought he was doing God a favor by persecuting and killing these Christians, this new sect, as he saw and he had search warrants to go into other cities and take these Christians and imprison them. You know the story. Acts 9, 6, when he meets Jesus. And a blinding light shines around him. He falls to the ground and he asks two questions. Lord, who are you? And the response was, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. His next question was, Lord, what do you want me to do? He recognized he has met his superior. Lord, what do you want me to do? He was looking for direction from God. I see fear of God in that question. One of the things I find fascinating in, with Paul's life is if you look in 1 Timothy chapter 6, toward the end of Paul's life, 
1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 15 and 16, he's describing Jesus. He said, Who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Paul recognized Jesus as the only potentate, King of kings and Lord of lords, above all else. Because of fear of the Lord, because he recognized Him as above all else, he had fear of the Lord, and because of that, he was willing to give his life for Jesus which he did just a few years after writing this. Am I open to being redirected by my God, my King? You know, fear of the Lord will also affect my relationships with people. In the church, Ephesians 5.21 says, we are to submit ourselves to one another in the fear of God. Being open to input from others in the church because I recognize that our Heavenly Father has given them different strengths than what I have. We need each other. At work. Does fear of the Lord play into work relationships? It does. Colossians 3.22 Bondservants obey all in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Because I fear God, I am to obey my boss. What about masters? Colossians 4.1, Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. On both sides of the boss-employee relationship, both are to fear God. Both are aware that I am accountable to God in heaven. I will give account for my actions. And because I want to please Him, it affects how I treat the people around me. The fear of God should affect all of my life 1 Peter 1 says, Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. A sojourner is someone who is there temporarily. It's not long term. It's someone passing through. It's a reminder that our lives are short. And they should, we were created for eternity. We're here for a short time. We'll pass on into eternity. We are to fear God because I have been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. That's 1 Peter 1, 17-19. Closing, I want to turn to just a couple, three scriptures. Deuteronomy 10. Just listen to says about the fear of the Lord. Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 and 13. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, and to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes, which I command you today, 
for your good. For your good, God commands them to fear him, love him, obey him, but it's for the good of these people. God understands what I need. God understands how I will best function. He's looking out for me, for you. I turn to a very familiar psalm, Psalm 103. Thought I had it marked, and I don't. Just going to read three verses from there, the ones that deal directly with the fear of the Lord. Psalm 103, verses 11, 13, and 17. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear Him. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Verse 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. It doesn't end. And finally, in Psalm... Oops. Psalm 34, beginning in verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear Him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints, for there is no want to those who fear Him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. <clears throat> Would you please stand and join me in singing verses 7 and 8? I think uh, you all know it. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about him, them that fear him. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Lord, may we seek you, have our ears tuned to you, respect you, and look to you for direction and guidance. Thank you for the promises in your word, the way you provide for those who fear you. May we grow, may I grow in my fear of you, Lord, so that you will be honored through my short time here. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are dismissed.